welcome to the 10th episode of Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast answering all the most pressing questions children around the world have about life on Earth. My name is Molly, and today I have three questions. Our first question is a question every single one of us has wondered at some time in our lives. It's from Alessandra, who lives in Abu Dhabi. Here she is. My name is Alessandra, and I'm from Abu Dhabi, and I'm five years old, and I want to know where babies come from. Well, to answer Alessandra's great question, I'm handing over to a very special guest. Her name is Marina Fogel. Marina has a podcast for parents called The Parenthood, and she sometimes does special episodes for children on things like why it's so important to wear sun cream. Marina also runs a group for people who are about to have babies, and it's called The Bump Class, because people often call mummies big tummies that have babies inside a bump. So Marina knows all about babies. Over to Marina. Hi, Alessandra. What a great question. My name is Marina and I am an antenatal teacher. So I prepare mothers and fathers for the birth of their babies. And often they don't know exactly what's going on inside their tummies when they are actually having babies. So it's really good to come to these classes. But brilliant question. Now, I think our bodies making babies is one of the most amazing things that our bodies do. Um, So I'm going to try and tell you the quite complicated process um, about how we get to have babies inside our tummies. So you probably have noticed that little boys have willies, all men have willies, and little girls all have a vagina. Now you might not know where this is, but basically the little hole that you pee out of just underneath there is another bigger hole, and that is called your vagina. Now inside um, their bodies, all men have seeds that have to fuse together with the egg that is inside the mother. Now, when two people really love each other, a man and a woman really love each other, they will often do something called having sex. And that is when the man puts his willy inside the girl's vagina and out of that willy comes this amazing seed that then gets together with the mother's egg and that starts turning into a baby. Now, that whole process takes about nine months and it starts off as a little cluster of cells that are so small, you can't even see them just with your eyes. You have to look under a microscope. But slowly over the course of nine months, that little microscopic cluster of cells will slowly turn into a baby. Now, this process is sometimes done outside the body. So very clever scientists have worked out a way of getting the egg out of the mother and collecting the sperm, the seeds from the father. And they can put those two together in a laboratory and they watch the early development and then they can put that little embryo, so it's the start of the baby is called the embryo, and they can put that inside the mother's uterus that's sort of inside her tummy inside of the part of the tummy where the baby develops so that the baby can develop into a proper baby so this process takes about nine months the babies aren't breathing inside their mummy's tummy they're actually getting all their food and all their oxygen and all the things they need to develop through a little cord that attaches to them through their belly button And that is fed by an organ that the mother's body produces just for this baby, just for having this baby. So for that nine months, everything that the baby needs is fed to the baby through this little umbilical cord. And then after about nine months, the baby is ready to come out. And what usually happens is the mother's 
uterus, so that little place that's housing the baby, starts to squeeze the baby out. Um, these are called contractions, and the whole process is called labour. And as the uterus squeezes the baby out, the baby emerges back then through the mother's vagina and is born. Sometimes it, that doesn't work very well. Sometimes it doesn't progress fast enough. And sometimes it's safer for babies to be born in a different way. And that involves surgery. It involves surgeons and involves an operation, which is called a cesarean. And this is a very clever procedure whereby instead of the baby coming out of the mother's vagina, they make a little cut right at the bottom of the mother's tummy and open up the uterus, which is that little house that the baby's been living in, and lift the baby out that way. It's an amazing operation because it they, they give the mother an anaesthetic that means that she's awake but she doesn't feel any pain. So she's present at her baby's birth and she sees her baby being born but she doesn't feel the pain of having an operation. And this is all due to science and amazing people called obstetricians who are doctors who specialise in helping women give birth. And it ensures that babies are safely delivered into their parents' arms and can become little human beings beings and I am amazed by the world of childbirth I'm amazed at babies um, some people ask me what are sort of interesting facts about babies one thing I really love is that um, babies can actually open their eyes and hear and smell when they're inside the uterus so if any of you who are listening as a mummy who's pregnant if you're expecting another little brother or sister if you talk to that little baby bump that baby will be able to hear your voice and then when they're born they'll recognize your voice. So that is why mummies and daddies often play music to their babies, often talk to their babies, and it's not a wasted time. It's a really, really important thing to do. I hope that answers your question, Alessandra. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to answer such a great question. Thanks so much, Marina. So now we all know. I really hope that answers your question, Alessandra. And if you have more questions after listening to Marina, do ask your parents or a teacher at school Or if you have more questions, do send them into the show. If you have a question you would like answered on the show, all you have to do is ask an adult to record you asking it and ask them to send it in to me at molly at everythingunderthesub.co.uk. Our next question comes from Alessandra's big sister, Sophia. She has a question about something completely different. My name is Sophia, I am seven years old and I am half Australian and half Syrian. I live in Abu Dhabi. I have just come home from a holiday in London and I would like to know how deep the River Thames is. Hi Sophia, well I hope you had a great holiday in London. As you know because you saw it on holiday, the River Thames flows through London, the capital city of England. But there's a lot more to the river than the bit you saw in town. The mighty River Thames is the longest river in England and it's 346 kilometres long. It starts off in Gloucestershire, in the countryside west of London, and it goes through Oxford, then up through London and out the other side to the Thames estuary east of London and out to the North Sea. So your question, how deep is the River Thames, depends on where you measure it. When you saw the Thames in London, it's a wide and mighty river with boats whizzing along it and all kinds of fun things happening along the riverside. However, if you were to see it at the beginning, at what's called the source of the river, you'd see it starts off as a tiny spring that looks like a puddle in a field in a place called Kemble. And of course, it's really deep where it flows into the sea at the end. 
The other thing that changes the depth of the river is the tides. The River Thames is tidal after a place called Tennington, and so the level of the water after that point goes up and down throughout the day and night, and also changes during each month depending on what the moon is up to. When it's a full moon, the water levels in the Thames are the highest of the month, and this full moon tide is called a neap tide. That's N-E-A-P, a neap tide. So, what kinds of depths are we talking about? Well, I'm guessing you saw the Thames in the middle of London, close to Westminster Bridge, where the Thames is 1.9 metres deep at the lowest tide, and during a neap tide around a full moon, it rises by over 6 metres to around 8.7 metres deep. The deepest part of the Thames is about 20 metres deep near the Thames estuary, where it flows out to the North Sea. And it goes up there by about 4 metres at neap tide. There are about 80 islands in the Thames of different sizes. There's one called Eel Pie Island, where lots of musicians have made music over the years, and another called the Isle of Sheppey because there used to be lots of sheep there. But now there are more scorpions than there are sheep. One thing I like about the Thames is it used to freeze over in the winter. And when it froze, there would be a fun thing called a frost fair held on the river, with drinks and food, games and even donkey rides on the ice. The last frost fair was in 1814. After that, the Thames stopped freezing over enough to have a frost fair. This is probably because the water in the river began to flow more quickly when the old London Bridge was taken down. The old bridge used to slow the water down enough so that it could freeze over. I hope that answers your question, Zavia. On the subject of ice, last week I asked you to send in your favourite flavour of ice cream to win tickets to see the sun living with our star at the Science Museum. Here are our favourite answers. My name is Oscar. I'm four. My favourite ice cream flavour is strawberry. Hello, I'm Sam and I'm four years old. My favourite ice cream flavour is chocolate. My name is Romilly. I am six and a half years old. And my favourite ice cream is vanilla ice cream and I like it with gummy bears and Oreos. So I asked an ice cream seller to pick the winner out of a hat and they chose... Sam. Congratulations, Sam. You've won tickets to see the sun living with our star at the Science Museum. And Romilly, because your answer was so great too, the Science Museum are going to send you a special present. Our final question comes from Isaac, and it's about ladybirds. Hello, my name's Isaac, and I'm six. I really like dancing, and I've always got lots of questions, but my question today is... Why do ladybirds have spots? Hi Isaac, that's a great question. The ladybirds you probably see the most are red with black spots. But what are the spots for? Well, they're for scaring away predators. Basically, the combination of red and black with spots is a warning in nature that means stay away from me, I might make you feel sick if you eat me. Other creatures use this combination like monarch butterflies, which have orange wings with black spots. It's a sign to say, please don't eat me, I really taste disgusting. Ladybirds have another way to scare off creatures that might want to eat them. They make a yellow liquid on their legs that smells and is toxic. 
It's called Reflex Blood. If you ever see a ladybird around your home, you might see a little puddle of yellow stuff where they've been trying to scare you away. This is the Reflex Blood. Plus, their spots stop them being gobbled up by other creatures. Scientists think that ladybirds that are very bright make more toxic reflex blood, and both things come from having eaten healthy diets when they were young. So ladybirds that eat very well when they're young have more energy to put into being bright and spotty and making toxic chemicals to protect themselves. Now you can't tell the age of a ladybird by counting its spots, but you can often tell what species it is. There are lots of different species of ladybird. Some have no spots and some, like the twice-stabbed ladybird, is black with two red spots. And the 22-spot ladybird has, you guessed it, 22 spots. They're called ladybirds after the Virgin Mary, and in Germany they're called Marienkaffers, which means Mary's beetles. Ladybirds aren't bugs, they're beetles. Their spotty wings, you see, are hard and a bit like ladybird armour. They're not the wings they actually use to fly. If you look carefully at a ladybird taking off, you'll see it lifts up the red spotty wings and has another pair of wings underneath, which it spreads out to fly. I hope that answers your question, Isaac. Before I go, don't forget I have a new book coming out on the 7th of February called Natural Wonders of the World. Go and have a look for it in your local bookshop. It's filled with rainforests, coral reefs, the most electric place on earth, caves built by giants, amazing animals and beautiful birds. And I'd love to hear your questions about nature and the natural world to answer on the show. If you would like to be one of the first kids in the world to read the book, then I've got a competition for you. All you have to do is send in your best impression of a parrot squawking in the Amazon rainforest and send it into the show. The best parrot will get a copy of the book flying through the post to you and landing on your doorstep. Thank you. Right, that's it for this week. Wishing you all a very lovely week. A huge thank you to Marina for telling us all about how babies are made, to the Science Museum for the winning tickets, and to Alessandra, Sophia and Isaac for this week's questions. A big thank you to Ash Gardner at House of Strange for the theme song and Audio Networks for all the lovely incidental music we use this week. I'll be back next week answering more questions from children around the world in another episode of Everything Under the Sun. Do send in your questions. There's info about how to do that on the show's website, www.everythingunderthesun.co.uk. And if you like the show, please do subscribe, tell your friends and review the show as it all really helps. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.